Hi, I'm Gar Sanders. I'm Jamie Wincup. I'm Lee Holdsworth. I'm James Courtney. We're the Forex Angels, and you're listening to the VA Insiders. It's your weekly dose of V8 news on the V8 Insiders. Now here's your host, Craig Revell. It's the night before the 500 and the SB Tools Falcon with Shane Van Gisbergen sits on the front row. It's all coming up today as the red lights go out on another edition of the V8 Insiders, night before the 500. You've taken the V8 to the races. you watch the action on TV. Now, read about them in V8X Magazine. V8X Magazine, dedicated to just one thing, V8 Supercars. Showcasing some of today's best writers and award-winning photographers, V8X brings you all the news and in-depth interviews demanded by today's V8 Supercar fans in one action-packed magazine. V8X, the number one magazine in V8 Supercar coverage. Out now. Dave Reynolds took out the Friday Grand Prix with a solid result. He and his co-driver Dean Canto were never out of the top eight in any practice session on Friday. He talked about how his relationship with Dean Canto is developing. Um, yeah, I'm used to getting touched in funny places at odd times. Um, yeah, he's a, he's a very funny character. You know, we get along fine. He's good. You know, his, his feedback's un- unreal. You know, it's perfect for a co-driver. FPR continued to head the timesheets on Saturday morning with Frosty and Stephen Richards the fastest in practice four. FPR was again on top of the leaderboard at the end of qualifying with Will Davison thrilled with the result. My car was great regardless, toe or no toe. I think, uh, you know, toe obviously helps. The car was brilliant anyway. I don't think there's much between any of the top cars. It's... You know, when you can get a bit of a toe and also put a perfect lap together, I think you deserve to be on pole. So, um, you know, I don't know where Dave ended up fifth. Um, obviously, there's not much between us, but as I said, I, I sort of strategised that I, um, for the second run. I And so Davison's pole position gave John McIntyre a clean windscreen at the start of his qualifying race, and Davison was confident that he'd be able to return the favour. We've just got to keep it up the front for tomorrow, but uh, as I said, hopefully we can... Hopefully we can start on pole tomorrow. That's obviously the aim. But, you know, goal one was to make sure we're up the front for you, Rose, for Johnny, so he can have a nice, clean race. Dave Reynolds also talked about the toe, and he there was not concerned that his best lap in qualifying was without one, as you don't have the toe when you're the leader of the race. Exactly. That's it. That's not how I see it, but I just less to concentrate on. It's easy, it's easy to do that by yourself. Dave Bernard was not so popular down in the Lockwood garage as an off at turn six on Friday saw every panel damaged on the number 14. Overnight, the team pulled together and had the car ready for Saturday morning's practice. Phil Keed talked about the work done by the team. Yeah, they had quite a lot of damage on the right-hand side. They had to replace the right-hand side of the, the car or the bodywork and the, the diff. Um, and some, some massaging of the, f- the front end, a few front suspension items. So it's really the right-hand side of the car has been, been replaced. Um, but it looks like it's all back together OK now. Tomorrow, Tim Slade will start five positions worse than he finished in this qualifying race. Stephen Chopping talked about the reasons why he was handed the penalty. The penalty that was imposed on Tim is that um, he's penalised five grid spots for his starting position in race 20, which is the 500km race tomorrow. V8 Supercars have uh, provided in the rules for this year's racing that a, say, a points penalty which is imposed on 
one driver in a team also applies to the co-driver so that if, for instance, um, driver A commits a breach and he's penalised, for instance, 25 points, his co-driver, driver B, would um, also get the same 25-point penalty. In qualifying race one, Luke Yulden in the number nine SP Tools car took out the win. He was thrilled with the result. Yeah, you know, it was, it was a tough race, that's for sure, um, where the car was strong in, in certain spots and probably weak in others, and um, managed just to consolidate on the, on, on the strong points, obviously, and get a bit of a gap and managed to hold them off. So, um, you know, the car the cars feels really good, and obviously Shane could have done the job this afternoon, but I'm pretty sure he can. Now, I know you and Dean Cando are good mates, yeah. and uh, he's been playing mind games with you all weekend. Oh, he, he's, he's a really good starter, that's for sure, and um, it's fair to say in the last few Enduros he's had the edge on me in the start, so it's good to get one up him, that's for sure. Well, onwards <laughs> and upwards from here. Yeah, thank you. Cheers. Paul Dumbrell worked through the field to make a last lap pass on Dean Cando to take out second position. Yeah, you know, it was, it was a tough race, that's for sure, um, where the car was strong in, in certain spots and probably weak in others, and um, managed just to consolidate on the, on, on the strong points, obviously, and get a bit of a gap and managed to hold them off. So, um, you know, the car the cars feels really good, and obviously Shane could have done the job this afternoon, but I'm pretty sure he can. Now, I know you and Dean Cando are good mates, yeah. and uh, he's been playing mind games with you all weekend. Oh, he, he's, he's a really good starter, that's for sure, and um, it's fair to say in the last few Enduros he's had the edge on me in the start. So You've set the bar pretty high for your teammate here in the second race. Somehow he's got number, he's got the one one on the door and he's got the championship lead. So somehow I actually think it's the other way around. But uh, hey, I just did my little part today and hopefully we can uh, do it tomorrow. Dean Cando was happy with third. He was able to avoid most of the carnage in turn one to take that solid result. Yeah, it's right. Um, yeah, shame I couldn't give him second. Just had a little problem on my uh, downshift on that last or the second last lap, um, which allowed Peter to get me on the main straight. But. Um, you know, it's something I can think about for the race tomorrow so I don't make mistakes tomorrow. It was actually good to get one under the belt. And, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll tweet, tune the car up a little bit more. That's my first time on a, a good set of tyres. Uh, a little bit hectic at the start there, but we got away with it. And, uh, you know, it's up to Dave now to determine where we start for Sunday. Now, everyone's saying they were taking it easy, but uh, your car <laughs> has got uh, plenty of tyre marks on it. Yeah, that all happened from the first turn. So I, I was on the inside of the corner, and then everyone came across on me, so... Uh, I was still taking it reasonably easy, but uh, obviously a few guys, or apparently someone said Morris started all, so uh, surprise, surprise. But, um, you know, uh, co-drivers are out there to prove a point. Uh, we all want to get a full-time drive, and uh, I guess that's probably what happened at the start there. As you heard, Paul Morris was involved in a first lap incident that saw both Stephen Richards in the frosty Winterbottom Falca and David Bernard in the Coulthard Commodore forced off the circuit. Morris was given a drive-through penalty, while Richards worked his way back up to 19th, Bernard was unable to get further forward than 24th. Mark Winterbottom's day got worse when he was penalised after a Park for May infringement and had to start the second qualifying race from 28th position. Jamie Winkup was the early leader of qualifying race two, but two mistakes from the series champion cost him a front row starting position. Shane Van Gisbergen, however, kept his nose clean and took out the second qualifying race, making it a perfect 100-point haul. I thought I had quite good speed on Jamie, and then after the safety car I thought I'd have a go there, and uh, he was quicker in areas, we were better in others, but uh, he went off, which on the oil that I nearly went off the lap before, so it was quite slippery down at that turn. But the uh, car was awesome, still doing low 10s at the end of the race, which was... You know, as, as Luke said, he sort of uh, understood that a bit, like we were really struggling. We were laughing at how bad the car was yesterday. It was really bad, but uh, the guys did a great job, tuned it up well, and, 
you know, we're uh, on the on the pole for tomorrow, which is awesome. So, you know, we can we can get a good result with this car tomorrow. It's a long day, but I'm sure we can do it. Good job. Well done on your efforts. David Reynolds saw off a hard-fought challenge from Craig Lowndes, who drove off the track at the end of Dandenong Road. I looked behind me, I could see this big grin. <laughs> I thought I'm in for it. Garth Tander was third, and he made a last lap pass to get ahead of Tim Slade, who finished the race in fourth place. Tander talked about the number of cars who were going off. Well, it was pretty wild. Three of the top four championship contenders made mistakes in a qualifying race that doesn't really matter for points, so... Um, it's interesting. Obviously, the pressure's still on, regardless. So, um, you know, it's a long race tomorrow, and I'm sure they'll be back and amongst it. But um, just shows that anyone's fallible. And Tander also thought that the qualifying setup for the Sandown 500 was not the best value for money the punters would be hoping for. That format really rewards staying out of trouble, cruising around. It's a bit of actually, I, I don't agree with the format. I, I don't think it's that great because it doesn't reward passing. It just rewards f- finishing, bringing the car back. So I don't think that's fair for the people that pay the money to come today, but uh, be it as it may, uh, we've got an interesting grid for 500 kilometres tomorrow as it is. Check out the latest edition of V8X magazine where Marcus Ambrose talks about his hopes to return to Bathurst, the contenders and pretenders for the 50th year at the mountain and the 50 most amazing Bathurst moments. It's all in V8X, available from all good news agents, probably some of the bad ones, and now online at the mag shop for iPad. And that's the news on the night before the 500, brought to you by No Brack Carbon Fibre Products. Check out the entire range at www.nobrac.com.au. After the break, we set the field for the 500 tomorrow. Controversy Corner is next when we return with more on the V8 Insiders. You've taken the V8 to the races. You watch the action on TV. Now read about them in V8X Magazine. V8X Magazine, dedicated to just one thing, V8 Supercars. Showcasing some of today's best writers and award-winning photographers, V8X brings you all the news and in-depth interviews demanded by today's V8 Supercar fans in one action-packed magazine. V8X, the number one magazine in V8 Supercar coverage. Out now. The views expressed on V8 Insiders, including the panellists and guests, do not reflect those of the network, Thunder Media, sportradio.com.au or V8X Magazine. Any publication or rebroadcast of the show without the expressed written permission of Thunder Media is strictly prohibited. Hi, I'm Jason Richards. You're listening to V8 Insiders. Welcome back to the V8 Insiders night before the 500. And joining me, Craig Ravel, is Peter Norton and Adrian Mussolino. And guys, we've seen two qualifying races of qualifying session proper here on Saturday at Sandown. And must say, been very interesting. The co-drivers did exactly what they were told. Bring it back straight, don't do anything stupid. The main game drivers, Peter Norton, just uh, didn't follow those rules as close. You're spot on there, Craig. It seemed to be full battle stations for a qualifying race. And uh, I think it actually endorsed that maybe this uh, qualifying format is uh, a pretty good way of uh, going about racing for these endurance races. Well, as people heard in the news there, Adrian, Garth Tander doesn't think so. Yeah, it's surprising he didn't like it because I think the overwhelming consensus was that it's a good format, it's easy to follow when you take the pit stops out of the equation, it's a bit easier for the fans in the stand to follow and I think it's better than the aggregate system because 
fans can see who's actually where and um, it definitely delivered good racing. That was probably the best qualifying race I've ever seen and um, it definitely spiced up the grid for tomorrow. Well, we'll start with qualifying race one and that one was really Luke Gilden showing that he has got the chops to make it in the main game series. He was very smooth, very confident, even though he said he uh, had a, a problem with his uh, old buddy Dean Canto playing some head games with him off the start. Uh, yes, it's uh, always interesting to see the camaraderie between uh, some of these uh, you know, part-time racers. Uh, you know, they've come up through the ranks over years and uh, yeah, they've got a bit of uh, you know, history between some of them and uh, that's always fun when they uh, put that into action onto the track as well. And uh, you know, poor old Luke, he's been in the wars over the years. Um, he's probably famous for a couple of uh, missteps. So uh, you know, it's favourable to see that uh, this time he uh, held it all together and brought it home in first place. Mm. Missteps and FPR seem to go hand in hand. And uh, Adrian, we saw it once again. Stephen Richards just sitting there almost minding his own business and getting run off the road early. And that started the decay of Frosty Winterbottom's race. Yeah, it's very unfortunate for Frosty because obviously there's a championship on the line and you know, Richards was really the innocent party and all that. David Bernard and Paul Morris were getting tangled up. Um, a few people weren't too surprised to see those two names involved in first lap shenanigans, but Richards was the innocent victim and all that. And, yeah, really bad day for FPR when you consider what Will Davison um, had to contend with in that second race and Frosty's down the grid and not where they need to be given that they're up against Triple Eight who are enduro specialists. And there was even a tyre mark on the Canto car from that first lap incident. So four cars all involved in the one incident in qualifying race two. The drive of the race really had to be Paul Dumbrell in the Team Vodafone number one car. He took it from 10th place on the grid, brought it up to second and set up Jamie Winkup with the, the perfect a front row start. Yeah, well, we've always known that Paul Dumbrell goes well here. Um, he's had a few pole positions here and podium from memory, and he's always been strong here, and I think he showed that in that car he can really fly, and, and it was interesting to see him get through um, teammate Warren Luff as well, as easily as he did, and I thought he was the star of the race, definitely. Um, so I think they're the two co-drivers who really took full marks today, Jordan and Dumbrell. Mm. But Dumbrell always says if the VR Supercar Championship was Tasmania and Sandown, he wouldn't have retired. Yes, that's right. Uh, they are the two tracks where he uh, shines more than anywhere else. And I, I guess the, the people who I would expect to be uh, complaining about this format is FPR. Uh, I think it's a good format for the fans. It's simple. It uh, adds a little bit of excitement when the drivers uh, get stuck into it. But it's very high stakes. One little mistake puts you right at the back. Uh, but, hey, that's the excitement that people come to watch sport. Mm. Dean Canto finished in third position. John McIntyre in fourth. And rounding up the top five was Warren Luff. So you had a situation where you had two triple eight cars up at the front of the field. You had a, a couple of FPR cars there or thereabouts. And, and you know, the SP Tools car was a real surprise because Stone Brothers were out to lunch on Friday. They tuned it up, Adrian, and, and have got back into the game. Yeah, it looks like they're quick. Um, Tim Slade and um, Andrew Thompson were up there as well, so it looks like they're on pace here. Um, and aside from Richards, it's all the contenders that we thought would be up there. Um, the the um, surprise for me, not a surprise really, but Alex Davison in 10th I thought it was a good drive, and that car hasn't been up in that position, so that was good to see. The question, of course, has to be raised is if... All the co-drivers were just told to go out there and, and circuit round. 
did we need that race? Couldn't we have just set the field off the main game drivers? Well, I think that uh, with, with Paul Morris in the field doing a bit of 10-pin bowling on the first corner, um, you know, that always shakes it up and you know, that provides the, the, the random element. Now, anything else coming out of that qualifying race that really caught your eye, Adrian? No, I think um, Scott McLaughlin did well, I thought, in the Techno Autosports car. Um, I expected more from Christian Klein. Maybe I'm being a bit harsh, but there's big raps on him in the paddock and Walkinshaw Racing rate him highly, and he was you know, a bit down the pack, especially considering where Ingle has been in recent rounds. But um, no, I thought it was all the contenders who I thought would be up there. Obviously, I think if Richards wasn't taken out, he would have been a real factor in that race, and probably in the top three. Well, they got the cars back into park for May and then Frosty Winterbottom's team moved their car before the, uh, the officials had allowed them to move it. Consequently, he not only goes back to, what is it, 24th, I think he finished, but then gets moved to 28th and uh, really putting a big dent into his championship hopes because these races did have championship points on the line. They did, and the... the the mistake they made there was, well, there was such a short time frame between the two races and there was quite a bit of damage. So, um, yeah, you know, FPR dropped the ball there and, as you say, there was points, you know, available and given the, how tight the championship was heading into this round, that's obviously a really important point. But, you know, they've got a big job tomorrow. Um, the championship is really on the line and I think FPR, they've really got to prove that they can put these enduro races together and we're yet to see it and starting from where they are isn't good. After the break we'll talk about the second qualifying race here on the night before the 500 on the V8 Insiders. You've taken the V8 to the races. you watch the action on TV. Now read about them in V8X Magazine. V8X Magazine dedicated to just one thing V8 Supercars. Showcasing some of today's best writers and award-winning photographers, V8X brings you all the news and in-depth interviews demanded by today's V8 supercar fans in one action-packed magazine. V8X, the number one magazine in V8 supercar coverage. Out now. To ask a question of the V8 Insiders, just email them at v8insiders at sportradio.com.au. Hi, I'm Craig Lance from Team Vodafone, and you're listening to V8 Insiders. Welcome back to the V8 Insiders. Night before the 500, Peter Norton from Inside Motorsport and Adrian Mussolino, the editor of V8X Magazine, with me, Craig Ravel. And guys, uh, what a race, qualifying race two was. We saw Lowndes, we saw Davison, we saw Wing Cup all throwing their cars off the end of Dandenong Road. Uh, almost unheard of, isn't it, that uh, it's so rare for any one of those to make a, a silly blunder, and here we have uh, you know, three all together. I do qualify it. It's FPR and endurance race. Yeah, well, it was a, such a weird race because you had to keep reminding yourself that it was a qualifying race, and it wasn't really, you know, there were points on the line, but very minimal points compared to what's on offer tomorrow, and... Yet they were throwing the cars around, and, and that was some of the toughest racing I've seen this year. And mm. I'm just yeah surprised that they threw so much into it. One of the best battles on the on the field was around about eighth, ninth, tenth place, where you saw throughout the race the Techno Water Sports car, the BOC Gases car, Lowndes after he gathered it back up from his mishap, and also the Norton car of Moffat were just banging and crashing all the way around uh, the Sandown circuit. Yeah, and I wonder as well if a factor was 
obviously where the co-drivers finished in that first race determined the grid for the second. And, for example, Alex Davison putting the Norton car in 10th, that's not where it's been all year. So you had that sort of jumbled grid. But, yeah, they they were really going at it out there. And, uh, you know, I'm very surprised given that if you kept it clean and kept it tidy and brought it home, you know, you would have qualified well well anyway and yet they were throwing away positions it didn't make sense to me but they obviously were going for it spectacularly was uh, one time where webby's gone three wide down the inside completely missed the braking marker and just looked like he'd picked up a few spots but actually when you saw all the glass the grass flying at the end of the straight you knew that it had all turned very very bad uh, my memory goes back to uh, you know, Sandown many, many years ago before they uh, altered the, uh, uh, you know, the, the pit buildings and all of that. And yeah, some of those moves back then when the wall was you know, right on the outside of the corner oh, would have been messy. Uh, a lot of cars this weekend have already been you know, way out on the grass in no man's land. And uh, yeah, it stirs things up. Mm. Well, Taz Douglas brought out a safety car. It was... Uh one of those interesting moments in the race because it concertinaed everyone back together but Jamie Winkup just didn't look phased at all. He drove away from the gears once again and, and established himself a very handy lead. He did, yeah, and it looked like Van Gisbergen was almost asleep at that restart and let Winkup get away and everyone thought at that stage it's game over and, and it's Winkup's race but yeah, you know, two uncharacteristic mistakes from Winkup. He, it seems as though there was only one track um, which probably didn't help and um, but, yeah, very surprising that he threw that away. Usually we see him just run away with those races. So to set the field now, it is out of 28th position, Taz Douglas, because of the off that brought out the safety car. Then we go back, and it's Will Davison starting out of 27th. That's going to be a, a huge road to hoe, but 500 miles, as you say. That's a lot of room to make up, Peter. Uh, yes, that's right. Uh what I'm looking forward to in, in the race is a uh, few alternative strategies. Now, if you saw you know, Brad Jones Racing, Holden Racing Team, Team Vodafone, they know how to pull off some of those alternative strategies. FPR, well, let's see. That could be interesting what they try. Well, it was interesting uh, on the grid, Greg Murphy was complaining about Owen Kelly bringing the car back in about 22nd position. He didn't fare any better. He finished in 26th, Adrian. Yeah, I mean, his first race back from back surgery, and it'll be interesting to see how he goes tomorrow over the longer stints. I think that could really test his back, and um, I think this is more of a warm-up event for him. Obviously, Bathurst is his main event. That's where he shines. So, yeah, he needs to ease into it. 26th isn't great, but then you look, and his teammate Kyle Ryan is just one spot ahead. So. Yeah. And Daniel Gaunt was in the same position in his qualifying races too, so you're starting to think, well, is it the car or the driver? Because... We know Daniel Gaunt's quite a good steerer, Peter, so it's starting to look like that is not the best car on the track. I think they can say it's world championship-style efforts. You know, Jacques Villeneuve was getting similar results with those cars. Mm. OK, Bezzy was uh, finishing down the back there in the Lockwood Racing car after his, his problems. Unfortunately, Fabian was only able to bring that up to about 18th. But going back to the grid, it was the Techno Autosports car of Michael Patrici who was the next one there. That's a bit of a surprise because he had been showing pace throughout the uh, practice and qualifying. He had. Techno Autosports has had you know, a relatively strong weekend. Um, Webb and McLaughlin particularly have been up there. Um, Patrici and, um, yeah hasn't really matched that pace. So that, that's where we sort of expect him to be. Um, I think he... You know, might be in for a long race. Johnny Reed, good driver, but 
you know, he lacks that V8 supercar experience, so it's another learning event for him. Mm. Now, the 33 of Fujitsu Racing's Jack Perkins had it in 21st. Unfortunately for uh, Alex Prima, he's got it back in 23rd. Yeah, the, all year they've uh, failed to impress, so I, I think that that, uh, that result is true to form. All right, Owen, he managed to drive the car a little bit forward. He's starting from 22nd. Yeah, obviously he was um, behind the eight ball, given Paul Morris um, got a drive-through penalty for that incident in the first race, started in 28th, managed to make up a few spots, but you know, it's going to be difficult for that entry. Hopefully Paul Morris keeps his nose clean tomorrow. At one stage there, Fiori's, his Jim Beam Racing Falcon was the best of the Dick Johnson Racing cars, uh, or certainly um, bar the Moffat car, but unfortunately it's uh, backed up there in Fiori starting out of 21st. David Wall in the Wilson Security number 21, solid finishing spot in 20th position. 19th, that's the big one, Peter, Jamie Winkup. I think everyone's looking forward to see the, that car drive through the field uh, in the 500. Um, you know, I think that's the kind of stuff that could uh, you know, change the championship, is that uh, he'll have to fight his way through, uh, and that, of course, introduces risk. Drivers before the qualifying races were saying, you can't pass here, it's all about drafting and waiting for mistakes. That's a lot of mistakes you've got to have happen in front of you. Yeah, it is a longer race, though. 500 k's, a lot can happen. I think the attrition rate will be high. Um, but judging you know, from Dumbrell's pace in that first race and Wink Up, I think they'll be strong. I, I wouldn't rule them out for a podium. I think they will sail through the field and they'll be right up there. I think Dumbrell in particular, he'll make the most of his stints. Now, of course, uh, Coulthard, can he get through this race? Because David's not had the best run. Um I mean, that, that one's interesting. Uh, uh, Bezzy's been in the wars. Um, you know, can he stay out of trouble? Um, I guess most people would say probably not. Jack Daniels Racing starts out of 17 with Todd Kelly and also alongside Tom Kelly, Tim Blanchard. Then you have Mark Winterbottom, the number five, or Con Steel Falcon, another one we have already highlighted. The 66 of Russell Ingle will start out of position number 15. Then it's Tony D'Alberto's not... Uh, not been wowing people with top 10 practice and qualifying times but has got a solid position here yeah that that entry stayed out of trouble and that's what they had to do in these races and i think that's one to watch um they've been strong remember they've got the technical link with fpr so they've got good equipment there and i think tony will be out to impress he always tends to do at the endurance event so that could be a smoky tomorrow mm. stone brothers racing have plenty of speed and lee holsworth's going to have to use it starting at a 13th peter uh, yes, I guess in many respects he's the guy that you'd expect to be much closer to, to the front. Uh, he came across that team with the big wraps, and it's taken him a long time to really come to grips with the, that team. Um, yeah, I, I think he's still struggling in some respects. Two Dick Johnson cars, the Jim Beam Racing car of Johnson starting out of 12, out of 11, it's Moffat. And that's a, a very solid result for Moffat. I think that's one entry to watch. It looks like DJR has a strong package this weekend. Um, that's a good qualifying effort considering their recent rounds. And I think the Moffat-Davison combination is one to watch. I think Alex is really out. I spoke to him on Friday and he said he really wants to impress mm. and show that he belongs in the main game full-time. So that could be an entry to watch. All right. And uh, as we start the top ten now, it's Team BOC. Jason Bright, very solid run there. He was in amongst all the shenanigans and was able to drive that car through steadily. Yes, that's right. Uh, I think that uh, 
And, you know, that team should do pretty well uh, in the 500 because uh, Andrew Jones has been getting lots of experience throughout the, the whole season uh, and, uh, you know, that he is not uh, a weak link, whereas some other co-drivers, you know, don't get many miles. Um, you know, Andrew Jones uh, has been levelling the playing field in that regard. Mm. Webs have got some sponsorship on their number 19 Techno Motorsport car this weekend and they've got an experience package, not in their supercars, but they just won the Father's Day 400 in Taupo in New Zealand. They have, and uh, Scott McLaughlin, you know, he's a really quick driver. He's very highly rated in the paddock, and you know, tomorrow will be his first Fiat Supercar main game start, and his times have been very impressive, and I think that's a combination to watch, and he, McLaughlin could really stamp his name as one to watch for the future. Courtney's going to start, or the Courtney car is going to start out of eighth position, and with James Courtney in eighth spot, that's a very interesting comeback for HRT. Yes, the, it really has been a comeback. It's a, you know, a couple of rounds ago that they were, you know, I think they would admit they were a disgrace. Uh, it wasn't what they were expecting uh, from a team of that calibre, and uh, they're starting to put those pieces together. Um, it's interesting that uh, you know, Courtney is still many places behind Tanda, uh, but you know, Courtney, you know, at, the, at least at the front part of the field, that may produce the opportunities that uh, will allow his driving and, and battle skills to you know, make the difference. Well, on the inside of Courtney is Lowndes. There's no love lost there. No, there's not. And, and when you look at that grid and with Lowndes in seventh, he really is in a good position there given where his championship rivals are. Um, I, I think he's in a really good position. I think he could win it tomorrow. Um, we know the Triple Eight package is strong. Lowndes is an enduro master. Luff is a good steerer. I think that's the one to watch, and I can see him getting into the lead early and potentially staying there. A lot of people were saying that Rick Kelly in that top six position was a real surprise, Peter. Uh, it is a surprise compared to you know, the form in, in recent rounds. Uh, so it's good to see that uh, you know, they're, they're going to give it a bit of a shake uh, you know, before they uh, move across to, to Nissan next year. Ritter was ninth in his qualifying race, and Robbo Caruso is up into fifth position. Uh, admittedly, he'll be in fourth position once uh, Tim Slade takes his five-grid spot penalty. Yeah, and I think he, like Rick Kelly, you know, they just kept their nose clean. They didn't get into trouble. They watched all the chaos around them, and there they are in fifth, in fifth and sixth. So I think that's a really strong qualifying for them. I think they'll struggle with race pace considering their form throughout the year, um, but definitely good qualifying for both. Well, the Lucky 7 racing car was uh, lucky to keep out of the trouble today, but unlucky yesterday when Slady copped his five-point grid spot, uh, five-grid spot penalty, and that's potentially going to be a, a hard pill to, to swallow. Yeah, that, that's a tough penalty for an incident in Friday practice. I think it was the first session with Johnny Reid. Um, you know, good for him that he's qualified so highly, but that brings, you know, that um, puts some big names ahead of him, such as Lowndes, so that's a really big disappointment for them. But ninth, you know, he can keep it cleared from there and get a good result. Well, we heard the uh, top three on the news. Garth Tander wasn't wrapped about the uh, format, but he was definitely wrapped with a top three start. Uh, compared to where they've uh, been most of this season, uh, yeah, they should be very, very happy. Um, Nick Perkat uh, had brake problems in his race, and that's why he lost a few positions there. Uh, so you know, that team is still subject to the, the odd niggling uh, little thing that could handicap them a little bit. The what-is-he-on file continues for David Reynolds at the press conference, uh, Adrian. He's an interesting character, that's all we can say about him. Um, 
yeah, it, it's great to see him up there because he is such a character. He'll say the crazy things, which, you know, makes us all laugh and think twice about him. But I think he'll be one to watch tomorrow. Remember, this is a track where he's driven before in the Falcon. Um, he was strong at the preseason test day here, which was his first outing in a Falcon. So I think he could be a one, one to watch. Canto's quick, um, but he needs to keep it clean. Van Gisbergen and Yulden on the pole. Does that make them the favourites? Yeah, I think it does, given Jordan's form in his race and throughout practice. As I said, it looks like SPR has found something. I think that's a strong combination. Um, and, and, you know, they've had a difficult year. There's no denying that. So I think they could make it up with a strong Enduro run. And, you know, given where the FPRs and the Triple Eights are on the grid, they could potentially get away early. But in saying that's a long race. Uh, my tip really is uh, HRT, uh, Tander and Percat. The, their normal rivals uh, for the endurance races are all starting behind them, and we know H- HRT know how to do endurance racing. Well, it is going to be an interesting 500 back here at Sandown. We look forward to the race tomorrow. The white flag lap is up next, but firstly, thank you to Peter and Adrian. Find out more about your favourite supercar teams and drivers when we go inside further on the V8 Insiders. You've taken the V8 to the races. You watch the action on TV. Now read about them in V8X Magazine. V8X Magazine, dedicated to just one thing, V8 supercars. Showcasing some of today's best writers and award-winning photographers, V8X brings you all the news and in-depth interviews demanded by today's V8 supercar fans in one action-packed magazine. V8X, the number one magazine in V8 supercar coverage. Out now. Hi, I'm Shane Van Gisbergen. You're listening to V8 Insiders. On this week's White Flag Lab, we catch up with Stephen Chopping, the head steward for the V8 Supercars, who only a few weeks ago was at the Belgium Formula One Grand Prix looking after the pinnacle of the world motorsport. It was an absolute pleasure to be able to do so. I was honoured uh, when the FIA um, contacted me and asked would I accept the nomination for an overseas Grand Prix, and... Uh, even more honoured and surprised when it turned out to be Spa, which if I had a pick of any Grand Prix that I wanted to go to in the year, it was Spa. Well, on top of it being Spa, you were also sitting on a panel that decided to throw a driver out of the next race. That's quite a rare, that's quite a rare occurrence in any form of motorsport. Well, I, I can't comment on the individual um, cases, but uh, yes it is, but thankfully it's also rare that the um, sort of breaches of rules and the uh, driving standards which are deserving of a suspension uh, don't occur very often. Um, the last time that uh, drivers were suspended from Grand Prix were uh, in the 1990s, Hakkinen, Schumacher, Irvine, um, so they're all uh, um, quite famous drivers. Uh, and uh, the view was that uh, this was a, a breach of uh, judgment by Grosjean because it obviously wasn't intentional, which was deserving of that sort of penalty. When something like that happens, be it at Formula One level or at V8 supercar level, is that decision made by the stewards or is it the driving standards observer that goes, we need to actually take this one step further? Well, it's different in each case. In uh, Formula One, there's a driver steward but the driver steward is a full steward. Um, so that person is involved in the, the decisions about whether uh, so this driving standard is acceptable or not and what the penalty is. In V8 supercars, uh, Thomas Mazera, as the driving standards observer, is a person who fixes 
in his opinion, what is acceptable or not acceptable driving. And so really, he's our opinion in terms of whether something is or acceptable um, for um, particularly on-track conduct. The experience of being at Formula One, it's, it's something that's you've had the opportunity to do previously. How much difference is being a steward of Formula One meeting as opposed to any other meeting? That's obviously um, the pinnacle of the sport. Um, the pressures are substantial, but um, also the degree of technology which is available is absolutely unbelievable. The intensity of the approach by the teams, the intensity of the material that's available and the um, sheer weight of information is such that um, it's very hard to appreciate until you've been involved with it. Now, you had a number of decisions to make involving uh, action straight away or then referring action after the race. Is there a set guideline of where you make that determining factor on when you'll adjourn it and when you'll deal with it immediately? Just the same as in V8 supercars, if something's obvious and you can clearly determine that a breach has been uh, committed, then uh, it's uh, the subject of a penalty in the race. So that, for instance, with V8 supercar racing, if um, something is um, determined to have been a breach in the course of the race, without doubt, it's dealt with at that stage. If there's uh, a possibility of some other information providing... A different answer. We'll review it after the race, and exactly the same applies in Formula One. The experience of having done that in Spa is that an un, a, a unrepeatable experience, or are you looking forward to getting the call up again soon? I'd be hopeful that um, I might be able to do some more Formula One things in the future, but uh, it remains to be seen. Um, it's obviously uh, something where anybody from Australia who does that is involved in quite considerable expense for travel. I was uh, pleased that the FIA saw fit to um, pay uh, for uh, my travel to and from Belgium to allow me to attend the Belgian Grand Prix and um, uh, I'd like to hope that at some stage in the future I might be honoured with that again. My thanks to Steve Chopping there as the checker flag waves over another edition of the V8 Insiders. We look forward to catching up with you next week with all the action from the Sandown 500. Till next time around, keep smiling and bye for now. Join us next week for more V8 Insiders, only on v8x.com.au.